Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Things Gratitude podcast. My name is Nick Dorsey, and today, man, we have a guest I've been connected with for a while, and we just had some great conversations. It's it's just finally great to get her on the show. Um, she has a background in manufacturing, sales, and leadership. Her career expands over several industries, including technology, aerospace, which is keen to me, uh, manufacturing, and life sciences. This is going to be fun, everyone. Um, she is an award-winning um, authority, business strategist, author, keynote, and TEDx speaker. She is the author of The Women in Blue. She has also voted the top 10 operational ex- ex- eh, excellence experts in the Bay Area. Please welcome to the show, Melinda Wells. Melinda, what's up? How's it going? What's up? What's up, Nick? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you this morning? I'm doing good in the frigid Arizona desert because today is the coldest day of the week. Frigid <laughs> so, Arizona, come on, that's an oxymoron. Are you kidding uh, me right now? <laughs> we we woke up to rain and 45 degrees, oh <laughs> which is yeah, and it was been in the 70s and 80s all week. So it's like huh, there's something weird going on here. But I hope you know, we got a coat. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're we're getting that frigid Arctic freeze that everybody else is getting finally hit down here. So. <laughs> but hey, Melinda, how's it going? I mean, we we connected through LinkedIn, and we've been a little bit on Clubhouse. We've been talking back and forth about putting some rooms together on Clubhouse, and I know we got some stuff going on in your life right now. So you've been off social media a little bit, but I mean, you know, life's busy for everyone in certain ways and everything. So just in general, just how's life going and you know, with all everything going on in the world right now, you know, life's changed a little bit. How, how are you making it through everything? Oh, that's a, that's an amazing question, Nick. And it's a great starter for the mm-hmm. podcast today. For, for me, things are going well. I think that if we had to generalize or put this whole thing in perspective of what happens, what happened from 2020 to now, I think we are evolving. We are learning more about not just the pandemic, but really ourselves and what we're capable capable of, and more importantly, what is our strength. And so I have been in a car accident over the last couple of weeks. And so it has really taught me to not just uh, build a, a, a backup plan when things kind of go south, but really take a moment to reflect on my physical being as well as me mentally. And I think that's, the, that's one of the key things for me. Um, far as business is going well you know what we are all always pursuing the next latest and greatest thing so business is going good family life is 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 nice and I think that things are getting back into perspective or some type of normalcy so things are good that's good you know um we were talking about a little bit earlier you know through a lot of this pandemic you know I traveled I saw a lot of different places so just seeing how people are reacting in different ways, you know, to everything. And then, you know, I wrote this post at the beginning of the year, what did I learn in 2020 with everything? And one of the things was I learned I could slow down and actually still achieve my goals instead of going 150 miles per hour all the time. Um, this is a funny one, but I learned working from home, my, my wife and I can coexist for eight hours a day, 12 hours a day with each other inside the same house without getting on each other. I, and I actually thought some of our conversations got, you know, a little deeper. It was almost like a reboot, you know, it was just, it was kind of nice on that aspect to, you know, go through that. And just, I think for businesses, the old adage of you can't work from a home. You have to be here. We can't see what you're doing. Boy, that went out the window really quick. Um, so there's going to be a lot of dynamic change coming up, you know, with, with all that. And I like to hear what you think about that because of the fact, like I've told people, Melinda is okay. Now, if people are going to remote from home, bigger cities, like where you're from the Bay area, Seattle, LA, people are going to move out of the cities because it's so expensive to live there, live in outside of those areas and now that's going to take down traffic what's that going to do to public transportation is that going to really limit a lot of that um you know so there's a lot of different factors going in this i don't think a lot of people are thinking about so i wonder how you feel about that and if you thought about that and what what might go forward from there absolutely nick those are all great points and i gotta tell you something um i've been really taking some time to think about how have we changed 
uh, on three platforms, right? One is ourselves as a human being. How are we seeing things now? I think our social connection has changed. It's not just your Instagrams, your Facebooks, your LinkedIn anymore. That's how we're staying connected. But to see someone on a podcast, to see someone on a Zoom call or any other WebEx type of uh, conference call is so much, it's so meaningful for us because we need that human connection. I think we realized in 2020 that human connection is not just, you know, the the physical connection. It is something that it's organic. It grows constantly. It's always moving and evolving. And when we look at the landscape of the world, I think the landscape has changed considerably. Yes, we've lost establishments and, you know, new establishments have been born throughout this pandemic, but we've also taken up hobbies, right? Many of us have learned how to either, uh, cook or or hike or any anything of our interests and i think that with that self reflection and that that ability to not only look at work and and, and figure we have to do a nine to five but really picking up that habit or those habits or passions that we have i think it's very important and it, it it helps us integrate our work and i'll be honest with you i gotta tell you something so you were talking about, uh, you know, just changes. The other day, um, my husband was on a Zoom call and it was about 6.30 in the morning and I got up and I just walked in on the Zoom call. Now, I got to tell you something. I was one degree away from looking like Medusa. I had my <laughs> jams on and he told me while I was in the room, he says, I'm on a call. And I said, oh, OK, that's good. And I still just walked in the room. But I, I'm telling you that story because we are starting to see life. Mm-hmm. When we have these Zoom calls, these podcasts, things that we're connecting virtually, we are starting to see the person on the other end at a, at, at a more deeper, right, deeper, deeper, deeper angle. We're starting to see their life, their growth, what what energizes them, what energizes them, what keeps them going, and I think that we're able to communicate better with that individual because we're seeing them differently if you think about just regular corporate life we we engage with people every single day and there's some people we like and some people that we don't right but when we're able to see their life how they live things around them what excites them if their living room is messy or wherever wherever they're at or if they're outside we get to see the content of their character but also the things that help build that individual. And I think that's important, right? Absolutely. Um, At the beginning of all this, you know, I moved down here from Washington to Arizona last March. So I just went over a year after I moved. So I moved in the middle of it when it was just everything going crazy up in Washington. And um, so we moved down here. Then Arizona did their little, you know, two and a half, three week, you know, we're going to slow everything down just to see where we're at. And, then my wife moved down here and I have not done so many puzzles in my life. And, but the great thing about it is we're living with my parents till we were able to move into our house down here. And it was weird just sitting down at a table with my parents, me and my wife, just doing puzzles. It was just like flashbacks to when we were kids, you know, because when we're kids, there's no cell phones, no internet, no social media. It was 13 channels on the TV or you do stuff family wise. And that kind of gave a nice throwback to that. It really did because we're missing that a lot in society right now. You know, yeah. smartphones are the greatest invention ever, but the worst. Yeah. And <laughs> y- you come from manufacturing and aerospace, so you'll appreciate this. I always used to tell everybody with my team, you know, I was a, uh, I ran facilities for an aerospace company and we could fix a million dollar machine with our smartphones by YouTubing something because everything's on YouTube. It was just amazing. Then we didn't have to go back to our desk. We didn't have to go find manuals. I mean, it was great. But human interaction is just the last 10 years. It's just gone downhill big time. And I know you said something about Zoom calls. I hate Zoom calls. I'm not going to lie. There's a billboard on my way to my work that says Zoomed out. (laughs) It's talking about, you know, having the personal interaction back. I mean, I changed jobs here a couple months ago and I was at a job that was strictly work from home. And to be honest with you, you know my personality, I hated it. It was so hard for me to adapt to it. I'm an in your face, let's do this, let's have fun person. And over this was tough. I'm not gonna lie. 
you know, seven, eight Zoom calls a day burns you out, man. Yeah, it and burns you out. Yeah. Now my job is I go into the office, I'm around a ton of people every day, and I'm just like, I'm like a kid on Christmas right now because it's just being in front of all those people again, the human interaction and just enjoying, just enjoying it. You know, sometimes you forget what you missed. I really missed that part of life in the last year. Yeah, can I can I talk about that just a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. So so I'm an introvert, believe it or not, and I am somewhat of a recluse to some degree. So my backyard has an eight foot fence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the pandemic for me was a good thing. I'm like, welcome to my world, right? Mm-hmm. But I realized that when we started to wear the mask, when we started to do things virtually people were sometimes available where you can see them and sometimes not I realized that a fundamental part of human life is social connection it is how we breathe how we live and how we continue to strive it is so important for our well-being mentally physically socially it is a part of our DNA that is continuously evolving, changing, morphing, growing, because we learn from others, yeah. right? We grow we, we, and, 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 and we become a better person because of others. And so by missing that piece of our lives, it's, it was almost like a negative year, mm-hmm. 2020, because people didn't celebrate birthdays, right? They didn't go yeah. out, they didn't do a lot of things. And some of us were able to travel but yet and still, there was something fundamentally missing from our lives. And for me, as an introvert, I miss the smiles, mm-hmm. right? I miss just seeing people, not even, and, and, and kind of the mental touch that you would get when you talk with people, where you get an aha moment, or you're able to you know, loop into a conversation, yep. like, oh, I love that, that's great, mm-hmm. right? I miss that. So yep. as an introvert, yeah, you know what? I miss life too, right? You know, it was really strange because, you know, like I was telling you before in the so-called green room, I traveled a lot during this pandemic and um, it was really hard because there are times I was on planes where there's only like 10, 15 people and my wife could tell you and she'll back this up 100%. When I'm on planes, I meet people. I, I mean, I'm talking to people, I'm doing everything. And when there's nobody on a plane, oh my God, it's like, uh... What I do for two hours, I'll try to sleep, but it's uncomfortable. Um, I try to stream movies, but movies on uh, planes aren't the greatest in the world. Um, you know, and, you know, it was just strange and going into hotels where I, there was one hotel in uh, um, Atlanta, Georgia. I was the only person in it. What? Yeah. And they almost, cl- and they told me they were going to close it if I didn't show up. They only had it open for me. And I was like, huh interesting you know and it was just stuff like that it was just it was weird it was like being in ghost towns and i hate to say this but in my opinion that's not the way humans are supposed to live you know we're supposed to like you said interact be out i mean some people interact more than others but you need that human (laughs) element you need that human on human element you really do i i believe so we do, Man, but just, look, look at us now, right? If you look mm-hmm. at us now, things are starting to open up and we yeah. are starting to open up. If you think yes. about it, right? We're able to go places, we're able to interact, we're able to socialize over food and walk and talk and grow and hike. We're able to do these things that we weren't, we were restricted mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a self-imposed prison mm-hmm. that we had created here. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because every single day we we ingest information. Mm-hmm. And what what that year did for us, it restricted our, our growth. It restricted us from seeing things, you know, or seeing a, excuse me, seeing a mm-hmm. different perspective. It restricted us from taking things in consideration and saying, you know what, I'll do it this way because mm-hmm. of this information. We didn't get new information. We got the same information, and so that same information put us in a. Um, uh, not a learning loop, but a learning depression, so to speak, yeah. right? So we were depressed physically, yeah. um, constantly. I mean, In our jams, I gained 15 pounds. I love it. Yeah. I started a food blog. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You know, I mean, you find different. I started a podcast pretty much. I mean, it was just like, it just happened, you know? And um, 
I think in some ways, and please, people do not take this wrong. I think in some ways, what happened last year was a good thing for the world to slow down. Yes. I mean it that way, not in any of the deaths or anything, but just in the world to slow down. Because like we talked about with smartphones, the internet, I mean, just however you want to say it, just fake stories, fake this coming out of social different social media things you know who do you believe who do you don't believe i mean the world was just going crazy it really was and it was just a time to slow down you know maybe if you believe in a higher being maybe that was the way of saying you do you guys down there need to just chill out for a minute you know and just you know just reset your goals and rethink about things you know i mean who knows i mean things happen for a reason and we don't know the reason to like years after you know, so be interesting to see what comes of everything in the next year or two, um, what direction we go. And especially for you, you're a keynote speaker, you're a TEDx speaker. I mean, this has affected a lot of your in-person, you know, engagements and everything. Um, have you heard from anybody about starting to get back out and doing some of these engagements or is it just kind of still down on the DL right now? <laughs> I, I, that That's good. That's a good question, too. Um a couple things so my TEDx is actually next week March 20th oh, right yeah. and then not only am I participating in the event I'm actually a curator for a content in 2022 so we can chat about that awesome <laughs> offline so I'll be looking for speakers but I think what what the, the whole umbrella of life has now been that big mm-hmm. pivot and I think people are either doing two things. One is they're trying to reinvent themselves. And the other one is they're trying to discover the possibilities within themselves. And I'm a big proponent of discovering your strengths as opposed to reinventing yourselves to be yeah. someone else. Because when you do that, you're always trying to keep up. And yeah. I'm not about keeping up, right? And so my, my the businesses are opening up and I think people are starting to be a lot more creative virtually they're having a lot more conferences uh, virtually and that type of thing so I have about 22 engagements for awesome. this year and it, it's great because some some of the engagements you'll get paid some uh, you know are about just really gaining that level of experience but I'm grateful for all of yep. the engagements because I think when we think about your pod- podcast right we think about gratitude we think about not just how we want to be perceived but really how we perceive ourselves with the interactions that we have on a daily basis how we inspire others how others inspire us to continuously learn I think it's important that we 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 look at all our experiences both the joys and the challenges yeah. as something that's beneficial and needed in our life right it's, I like it's when- part of our growth cycle I like what you said there about, um, because um, I'm brought into different companies to rebuild departments and rebuild culture. And I always tell them, we're not here to reinvent the wheel. We're here to improve it. Because no matter how bad a culture is or how bad a department is, you still have a foundation there. It's just, it got out of whack somewhere along the line. So you got to figure out where it got out of whack. And you go to that point to improve it. You don't go all the way down the bottom. Sometimes you have to go all the way down the bottom and and that's difficult. <laughs> but uh, especially when you have a huge company, you know? Um, but I mean, a lot of times there there are solid foundations. There there really is. I mean, the meat for what it was meant to be and everything is good. It's there. There's good mission statements. There's good vision statements. There's good value. They just don't know how to give it back to people. They don't oh, know how yeah. to share that, you know, so it, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just improving it. You know, I mean, I tell my team that all the time. We're just here. I'm not here to change you guys. No, I mean, this is the culture that's there. I'm new to this area. I'd be dumb. Somebody coming from the Seattle area to come down to Arizona and tell you how to change. That doesn't make sense. The environment's totally different. So I'm here to learn from you and help you improve your skill set help improve you be better as a team member and maybe progress up the line and one day take my job i want all my team members to feel like they want to take my job that's how good that i want them to be so if they become that good 
guess how great our team's going to be. I know, right? And, and people are so worried about people taking their jobs. If you're good at what you do, you don't need to worry about it. Now, some companies do have that mindset is when you make so much money, oh, we need to bring somebody new in because we need to cut your wage in half because of blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But if you're good at what you do, you'll find another job in a pandemic or not. I mean, I, I found a new job during a pandemic. It's it's knowing the right people. It's trusting your inner circle, trusting your mentors, and, and just putting yourself out there. It is putting yourself out there and just make exposing yourself and branding yourself, you know, and yeah. always being positive. Social media will destroy you if you start jumping into, I hate to say this people, unless you do it for a living, if you start jumping into religious stuff, political stuff and everything, it will destroy you. I have my thoughts, but you'll never hear it on social media. You'll never hear it at work because it takes one person to hold that against you and it can ruin your career, unfortunately. And it sucks because it shouldn't, but it can. So that's my, that's a free tip right there, everyone. (laughs) You don't have to pay for that, right? Yeah. (laughs) But you can you hit on a couple key points here. Um, when you, you were talking about you as an expert going into a company and really taking all the good things that the company does and, 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 and help people see the value in that. And I got to tell you something. Value is very important to me. Value is like a fingerprint. Yeah. It is unique to you. No one deploys it like you. No one has the type of interactions that you have and that, that you may have. And for instance, there's 10,000, let's just say, podcasts in the world, but there's only one Nick. Yeah. There's one, only one all things gratitude. The way you talk with people, the way you influence people during the call, the way you continue, continue to influence even after the podcast, no one does it quite like you. Value is something that we hold not just as a badge of honor. And sometimes I used to go to meetings and um, people would say, well, what value can you add? I add value every day. My personality, my my character, who I am, how I execute my job, that is value. They may hire 10,000 other analysts, program managers, directors, leaders, you name it. But no one inspires the other person like you. And that's what's so unique about value. And it's just something that, you know, I've, I've looked at because I'm into continuous improvements as, mm-hmm. as well. Right. So I go into an organization and I help them improve their processes and, you know, drive efficiencies and that type of thing. And the one thing that I found, which, which was so important, is companies are doing great. But in order to take them to that next level. They have to look at their people and realize the value that they hold and how they continue and how those individuals continue to, um, I guess, exploit their value yeah. right, on a daily basis. So companies are great, but people make it greater. I agree one million percent. <laughs> and here's something with you. When when I look, when I come into a place and they ask me to help out with culture and everything, the first thing I ask them is, what's your turnover rate? Yeah. And they're like, huh? I'm like, seriously? If you have a high turnover rate, there's your problem because that means there's something wrong with the culture. I go, it doesn't mean it's a hundred percent bad, but there's just, there could be a couple bad eggs somewhere in there. And I'm not saying fire somebody, but I'm saying we need to find out why this department has a 60% turnover rate, let's say over a course of the year, when this one over here only has a 5%. So what's the difference? Is it the type of work? Is it the type of leadership? Is it the low pay? What is it? What is it that we have to do to improve that? Because when I worked in the casino and hospitality area, they have to do background checks and everything, Melinda. So every time you fire or hire somebody, it costs the casino about $10,000 to get somebody on board with all the paperwork, all the back and forth interviews, if people have to travel in, whatever the fact is. So think about that. $10,000 in employee. Um, for per team member per employee. Mm-hmm. I worked at a place the turnover rate was close to 25% in the department. And there's 100 people, so that's 25 people a year at $10,000 a shot. $250,000 a year. Wow. When I left, the turnover rate was under 2%. And all it was, it wasn't anything I did, Melinda, it wasn't any policies or procedures. 
they asked me what was the biggest thing what changed and i said because i treated them like humans right that's right. all they wanted they wanted human interaction and i always say treat people like humans not numbers yes that that that, that was it it was just going down there tapping them on the shoulder high-fiving them fist pumping Bravo. telling them thank you for being here thank you for what you do for the team i mean it's just it's not hard people it's really not and because people ask me all the time i'm sure they ask you what what's your method of changing right culture right, right. I, I can't answer that because it takes a personality to do it i can tell them oh treat people like humans not numbers you you can do this you can do that but guess what it takes the personality within somebody to show that to other people sure. people you kill them with kindness seriously you kill people with kindness they eventually like i say drink the kool-aid <laughs> you know they will I, it, it, it's strange because we are wired for humans are wired because they they want to hear they want approval um, we want to know we're doing a good job uh, we just want to be noticed all humans are this way you may think that or not you know I'm like well I don't need I'm higher up, you know, in the chain, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't need a data boy all the time, but guess what? When my boss says it to me, it makes me feel damn good. Yeah, it does. And I'm at the point in my career where I don't need them, but guess what? I'm still human. It's still nice to hear it. It's still nice to know that you're being accepted by your peers or by your management or by whoever it is. So, I mean, just remember that leaders out there, just tell your people how much you appreciate them because you know why? If it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be getting paid and you wouldn't have a job. So think about that. It's not you doing it. It's the people doing the work who is actually getting you paid. I just set up policies, procedures, and scope of works and provide them with tools. They're the ones doing the physical work. So if you have to be grateful like that, you have to, you have to have that mentality or else you're going to be a job hopper. You're, you know, you're just, you're not going to be happy and you're going to put in a lot of extra hours that you don't need to because you should be delegating a lot of the stuff out because you have trust issues because you don't trust your team. You need to figure out how to trust your team. Absolutely. There's my rant. There you go. I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because that that's that's my fuel, right? Humble mm-hmm. leadership. Humble leadership. It's what we need more of that in organizations. We have many individuals that are going out and still trying to be or trying to climb that corporate ladder or still trying to be the the shining star or the North Star within the organization. When you realize that your people are a direct reflection of what you do and how you lead, because anyone, first of all, how you lead, then you become a better leader. And also understand that there's a lot of individuals that carry a leadership title, managers, directors, so on and so forth. It's not about the title that you carry. It's about the inspiration that you provide. And I think, Nick, to your point, that high five, going out and being one with the culture, helping them understand that, hey, you know what? I I get it. I'm, 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 I'm human. I get it, you know? It is so impactful. It is so meaningful. You will see your productivity numbers increase tremendously when you engage your culture in a different way that is not only meaningful to work, but meaning to them personally. Yeah. Huge point. Yeah. I agree. And leaders, if you're going into a new company, don't go in there that your mindset is the way it's going to be. And it has to be that way. Because here's the thing is, I always say, it's not my team's job to adapt to me when I first go to a new company. It's my job to adapt to them. And then we find the happy medium where it needs to be because they need to gain your trust. If you go in there and you're pointing the finger and you're putting your foot down right away, you really think you're going to get their trust? No. And you could still do all that stuff in a way that doesn't offend people, that doesn't make them upset and doesn't think, who's this new dude coming in? You know, I mean, I work for native tribes and I'm an outsider to the native tribe. So, you know, I, I have to, you know, pursue things and look at things in a different way, you know, you know, and going in and getting that acceptance of being an outsider is tough sometimes. And it's a struggle, but guess what? You just work at it and you kill them with kindness and you do what they're paying you to do. It's amazing what happens. It, it, Nick, it's not only amazing what happens, it's an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing feeling. It you is. walk away, right? You walk away and you're like, oh my gosh, I did it. But that that's when you go from humble leadership to elevated leadership. Yeah. 
where you go home and you're able to take that energy that you had at work and you're able to excite the individuals that you, you know, your friends, your family, mm-hmm. you're able to excite them and help them understand the journey that you've been on as well. And so they get excited about your life. They get excited about the things that you do. And that only fuels you, feeds you even more. So when you go on your next gig, you're even more, you know, yeah, ram- uh, ramped up. Yeah. So, oh, man, we, we can talk forever, Melinda, on this you. stuff, you know, um, you. Re- really quick, bef- I want to get this in there for you, you know, um, let's talk about your book, The Women in Blue. Let's tell everybody what it's about. And, oh, you know, what what made you after you tell us what it's about, what um, what made you go out to write a book? And, you know, everybody has such a different story when it comes to that. You know, what inspired them to do that? So I, I love that. Uh the, uh, the woman in blue it's it's actually a short story within a um, educational book called multicultural perspectives in women's lives and Nick here's a little something something about me so my first language is Portuguese my second language is German and then English and then Korean I read write very fluent in all four and I was actually transitioning out of the military so I was in the Air Force for a period of time and I was transitioning out and I said, you know, there's a lot of things that happen when we transition out of the military that are unknown and they are kind of golden nuggets that we need in order to be successful in the corporate life. And so let me just write a little something about that. And my experience was uh, unique because I actually was positioned in the military to, you know, take from what we call NCO, non-commissioned officer, to an officer program. And they put me on this this, this, this fast program, right? This really, this really quick program to get there. And I stayed in the military for about six years. But my experience is unique because I actually was uh, um, recruited from Germany. I decided that I didn't want to. First of all, I came to the United States. I was talking to my, my stepfather. And he says, you know what? You got dreadlocks. We're in the singing group. I, I, I don't know. I think you need to go in the military. And so I didn't really think anything of it. And, and you, you know, I wasn't really communicating well with my parents from just, you know, speaking with them because of my language issues and then also just, just interact, interacting with them, right? But I'm thinking about it as a teenager. I mean, what kid really does communicate well with their parents? You know, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, um, so I went in, did the delayed enlistment program. And then the delayed, enlist, the delayed enlistment program is about six months. So the military calls on you in about six months. And so I went back to Germany and I changed my mind. Okay. So the military thought that wasn't a good idea to change your mind. So they actually came to get me. <laughs> and so I talked a little bit about not only the transition in my, my short story, mm-hmm. not only the transition out of, uh, out of the military, but really my life before I went in the military, how people were torn uh, with the decisions, you know, decisions in their life. And I think we all go through that every single day. So I thought that was relatable content that we can use and, and people can continue to, to, to excuse me, to use. Um, and the transition from corporate excuse me, from um, Air Force Blue to corporate gray is not just a transition physically from the military, but really a transition mentally. Mm -hmm. You have to change your mindset. Camaraderie is a little bit different in the corporate world than it is in the military. How you engage with people, how you continue to show excellence is a lot different than what you do in the military. So that is what the book is, uh, that is what the short story is about. And I have a book actually coming out in July uh, called Surge. Awesome. Yeah. Excited for you. That's I'm awesome. A, I'm excited too. We'll see what happens. I'm only in chapter one, but no, I'm joking. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm all joking. good. Yeah, man. You, you better get going. <laughs> yeah. I, I find it awesome because English is like your third language. It's my yeah. first and you master it better than I do. So, hey, it's I amazing. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. There's some words. You know what? I got to tell you a, a joke. I actually confuse often and I've done this for yeah. years. My... Uh, ankle believe mm-hmm. it or not and my wrist <laughs> Riff, yeah. use the wrong word I, yeah. Wrist. Wrist, <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I do it all the time <laughs> 
you should see me try to pronounce some of the people's names who come on the show. I'm like, hey, we're in the green room. I'm saying it like 20 times. I'm getting to the show. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's damn. That's close. <laughs> that's hilarious, but dude. That's what's great about live streaming. You know, you get to see the real me. And that's what I like. You know, this is me. I can't edit this. <laughs> you know, so. I know. I'm scared right now. I got to be oh, honest. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all good. So, I mean, there, there's a couple of people here watching. So, um, people are doing great thank you to everybody in the comments i really appreciate y'all we do we both do so yeah wh what are you looking most forward to this year what 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 are you just loving and what you do with your career and life maybe that's a good better way to put that yeah i love that i'm looking to continuously learn and to continue to inspire others as a child who was bullied uh, majority of my my life uh, as a child all the way up to my 20s I realized that at some point in my life I started to believe that narrative that I was not good enough or that I would never amount to anything uh, so I accepted a label of uh, you know a loser so my hopes for 2021 is to inspire people who feel like they don't belong and to learn from them how they have either continued to strive or how they continue to build um, build, 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 build a foundation to stand on, right? So that's my hope for 2021. Yeah, I can talk about business. I can talk about a lot of things like that. I mean, that's superficial. Those things will come. But I think grounding yourself internally is important for success. Success. Um, we often try to pursue various things in our life. And I was told this a long time ago is um, in life, we, we wear a lot of hats, right? Uh, whether we're working for a corporation, where we're you know, or a planner, a director, analyst, program manager, we wear a lot of hats, but it's not the hat that's important. It's the coat that we wear. With every job that we take or everything that we do, there is something fundamentally unique to us, how we help people, how we pay gratitude, how we show people that they're important. With every hat that we've worn throughout our life's journey, We've, we've done that. It doesn't matter if we were a planner, a business analyst, or whatever. And so I'm really starting to kind of cozy up to the coat that I have, mm -hmm. the ability to continuously improve and help people. And and, and it feels good. And yeah. so I would like to continue that in 2021. Awesome. I think that's why we get along so well is because I didn't know. I still don't know what my life purpose is. But I'm starting to see a better vision of it, mm. you know, because people are telling me all these things. You got to uh, Todd DeWitt, you know, remember Dr. Todd DeWitt, uh, great guy. He told me, you got to tell your story. I'm like, is my story that inspiring? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? You know, because because it's me and I don't think it's a big deal. But he goes, you're going to help somebody and it's going to help them, you know, and just very briefly, basically, I'm a college dropout who loved partying and I dug ditches and drilled holes for two years and finally I had the coming to Jesus talk by one of my bosses and all of a sudden I made it all the way up to an executive level position in companies you know and help rebuild companies and it was just he goes you can inspire people because there are people who go through the partying stage who are drug addicts who come out of it who need those people to see that you don't need this Harvard degree or this degree or that degree to be successful if you really put your mind to it and you but you have to put the dedication to it. It's just not going to be handed to you. It took me a while to get to those positions. I mean, it took me 16, 17, 18 years. But guess what? I got there and life is great now. And I rather have it now than earlier in life. You know, because when you're older, you don't you, you don't want the physical labor jobs or anything. You want to be able to get in that so get a good retirement plan and coast into that, you know. And you know, now seeing it, it makes sense. When I was 18, 19, didn't make no sense whatsoever. I just thought the world was gonna give me everything, you know, because that's what the world does, you know. <laughs> you know, that's just a mindset you have because you're a young kid. 
I mean, you, you don't realize things, you know, then you're told, like you said, you're told you can't do things. I was told I couldn't play college sports. I did go to college. I played rugby um, and I was pretty damn good at it. Um, then I was told, you know, I wouldn't do anything in work. I wouldn't get into manager positions, you know, director positions, everything. But proving everybody wrong. And I, I keep that little chip on my shoulder. So now my goal is now is to help people, especially the people I work with and train them and mentor them to get into my position. You know, like I said earlier, I want them to take my position. Will they? Eh, well, that's debatable. But um, <laughs> it's, but the point is, is when you have somebody come in your office, Melinda, like I had a team member once come in my office, she started crying. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, if you didn't give me the chance and help me out, I would have never been able to buy my house to provide for my family. Right there. That's when everything in the world changed for me as the leader in a leadership position. That was that was it. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm not here to lead the department. Well, I am here to lead the department, but there's something more than that that I need to help people with. You know, I left the job once, my exit interview, they're like, well, you saved us four and a half million dollars. You saved us this, you saved us that. I was like, great. That was my job description. They're like, huh? I go, what I'm most proud of, the guy I was training is an operational director now. Another guy I was training is a chief engineer now. When I came in, they're frontline employees. That's what I'm proud about because I affected two people's lives that made their lives better for their career and their life and their personal lives and their family lives, you know? For me, that's what leadership is about. Yes, we have a job description, Melinda. We have a job description. Mm -hmm. And we should be able to do our job description. But our job description, my mind goes beyond that. You know, it goes beyond that. I'm supposed to help my team become better that's right. at work. And if they become better at work, they're eventually going to become better at life. That's right. That, it just goes together, you know. And God, people struggle with that, Melinda. People just struggle with that. People just like, huh, huh. I'm like, sorry. That's just how it works. And look, look how laid back the team is. You're stressing, working all these extra hours. I'm not because my team gets it. You know, it's just because of what we've talked about. Yeah. It's it's just talking with your team and communicating, just being in front of them. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much. People don't get that. It doesn't take much. It really doesn't. You know, it's surprising. <laughs> it just blows me away. I, I love I love that, Nick. You and I are just kindred spirits. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because uh, you said you carry a chip on your shoulder. I think we all do. And if we think that we don't, let me explain it. Mm-hmm. That chip is your motivator. It's your driver. It's something that keeps you moving forward. Every single day you wake up with not just not just something to do, but you wake up actually with your purpose. Mm-hmm. Your purpose has been to help people, to help them see not just their value, but their, their, their you know potential. And I think that's important as well. But that chip is something that is imprinted in us. We have it actually since birth. We just don't know it until we start to experience life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And once we realize that that chip is something positive and not negative and flip it and reverse it in a way that is beneficial to not just you and how you pursue things, but how you help others, that's when it becomes meaningful. Absolutely. It's all, it's all right to let your chip that's on your shoulder out of you. Yeah. That's don't hide it. It's not a negative thing. And the thing is, if you surround yourself around the right people, like I always say, I have a lot of acquaintances. I mean, I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn, you know, I mean, my friends with every one of them. No, um, they're there. It gets, it, it gets my brand out, which is great. But listen, there's a inner circle about this big of people I trust. That's it that I fully trust. And it's nothing against anybody else, but you have to keep that circle small yeah. or else people are going to take advantage of you. Uh, friend Wasim, I, you know Wasim. And yeah. uh, he once told me, and it makes it right. And it, 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 it can work in anything. He goes, if you want to become a millionaire, you have to surround yourself around 20 millionaires and copy what they do. And that goes with anything. If you just want to be a good leader, surround yourself around 20 good leaders and pick their brains. My mentors, I picked their brains for two or three years, you know, and it was the greatest thing I ever did. I was mentored slowly into my positions 
And would I want to get there faster because, you know, rate of pay and all that stuff? Yes, you would. But guess what? It turned me into who I am today because that process. And I, you know, one of my mentors took me in my office once, once I got him, when I got a manager position, I think it got to my head a little bit and he sat me down. He was like, what the F are you doing? And he tore into me. I'm like, damn, Jeff, I thought we we're buddies here, you know, but I realized he was being a buddy to me. He was because he was protecting me from what I was doing. And you know what? It made sense, you know, because I was open mindedness enough to listen to him. I opened my mind to listen to him. I didn't put that wall up and said, stop attacking me because he was in my inner circle and I trust him. That that is huge. People, please find those great mentors or that inner circle. It can only be two or three people, maybe, but find those people you really trust. I mean, that are there for your best interests and not theirs. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I I love that. My mentors aren't in my industry. Are they used to work with me, but they're not in the industry now. So if they're giving me that advice now, they're gaining nothing off of me. Think about that. They're just doing it because that's who they are. And that's why I stay so close to them because there's no competition for who's working where, who's doing what. They're very well established, very well established people. And guess what? There are people out there who will do it for you, everyone. There are. Yeah. You just got to find them and you don't have to pay them. It's cool. That's what's good <laughs> you know? about it. Yeah. That's what's good about it. You, you may, you, I, I just remembered a, a quote that I wrote in my upcoming TED talk, uh, TEDx talk. And it says, um, there are people that you invite in your life that agree with everything you say, but there, it's more impactful to invite people in your life that don't agree with everything you say. And so it brings me to the point where this person calls you to the room and he's like, what the heck, what, what's going on, right? He was that individual that gave you the, the real feedback. He took the time to critique you, to give you feedback so you could grow. And I think that when we think about social media, we think about the interactions that we have on a daily basis, we need both individuals in our lives. We don't need a person that just gives us golden stars all the time and tell us that we're doing great when we're not. We need that other feedback. That other feedback helps us grow, helps us step outside that box and helps us when we engage with others, it helps them grow because we're able to teach them as well. We're able to pass it on. So by him bringing you in and said, dude, this is what's up because you're like tripping right now, uh, made sense. Mm-hmm. It made sense because look at you now, right? It's you're just, able to pay it forward. There, there are so many different, you know, people that it's not that I take their advice 100% every one of them, but I take little tidbits from different people mm-hmm. because I'm not them. They're not me. So and I want to make my own unique way. Like with you, you probably want to make your own unique way. I mean, why would you want to be a carbon copy of somebody else? Yeah. You, you don't. My 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 style is unique. Yeah. And that's why it's hard when people ask me a question, what do you do? Because yeah. what I get told all the time is when I walk into the room, the aura changes because I'm just, ah! you know, I'm just that person. I can't teach that to somebody. I can't. That's just who I am. That's my personality. Now, I can give pointers on how to treat people, you know, different way. Hey, interact in certain ways. No, you know, be able to read people, you know, be able to read. If somebody's having a horrible day, that's not the day to pile on them. That's not the day to pop. Bring them in the next day and let's have it the conversation if it can wait to the next day. Don't pile on them on their bad day right now. If two people in the shop aren't getting along that well, take them off the same job and just separate them for a little bit. Let it cool down. Don't don't be like the edgy. Oh, they're adults. I can figure it out. That is true. But at the same time, human emotion takes over. You know, and sometimes human emotion is I want to punch that guy in the face, you know, (laughs) and we just want we just don't want that to happen because then that has more paperwork for me, too. And I just don't want to deal with all that stuff. So, you know, if we could separate them for a couple hours, life will be okay because it will probably cool down. It most likely will, you know, and it's just it's just I hate the saying when you talk to leaders that say, well, I need to be in the shop. I need to. Oh, I'm just too busy. That is a bunch of BS. It's 
And I'm gonna tell you why. Is because if you're a good leader, you'll find time number one. And if you're a good leader, you'll hire people and delegate work to those people that you shouldn't be doing. You should be doing more of the higher end stuff, not planning these little things or worrying about this. You should have good people. You should have a solid number two who is taking care of all those things. And if you say you don't have a solid number two and you hired that person, then you did a crappy job hiring people. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, because what's it? Steve Jobs, I believe, said we hire people just as smart or smarter than us. That's right. And that is absolutely true. Yeah. I have electricians on my team. I have HVAC techs on my team. I know that stuff, but that is not my background. So why hire the people smarter than me who are on our team to do those things? They are smarter than me. They get the job done. That's the whole point. Then you delegate that work to them. I mean, you hire a great assistant manager, a great assistant director. You hire somebody that you can train to come into your position and teach them how to do the everyday stuff to teach them how to do, let's say these type of models or whatever, and slowly teach them how to do all the budget stuff, because that's where I should be concentrating more of my time on is the budget is the big capital stuff is the big, you know, future of the business, you know, yes, I'm part of the day to day, but mine should be more reflected on what the future is going to bring and how we're planning those projects out and how we're doing those things. You have somebody to run the day to day stuff inside. That, that's just my philosophy on it. And businesses that it's do that right. really excel. They really excel. It's it's right. It's right, too. Because if you, you think about it, I think we have a, what we call an unconscious uh, fear within us, right? Where mm -hmm. if we, we feel as though if we teach someone how to do our job, we actually lose something. We lose this kind of proverbial spotlight where mm -hmm. people are not looking at us any longer. We're not perceived as the expert or the go-to person. People on our team are. And I think there's a fear because going back to your point earlier, we want to be told, you know, thank you. We want yeah. to be told you did a great job. And we're not, when we're not told that, we don't feel valuable. Mm -hmm. But the I, way you approach it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. Like this good. is good. We yeah. can talk all well, day. I love I, it. <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound conceited, but my philosophy is, hey, if you're going to let me go, screw you guys. I mean, that's your guys' loss. I'll go help somebody else out. And that, that's just my philosophy. And I don't say that to them. I don't want to be like a conceited or anything, but I'm very confident in what I do and my abilities. And that's the thing. I think people lack confidence. And there's a line between being cocky and being confident. And, you know, and you have to know where that line is. I'm very confident in what I do. I'll tell people I'm confident in what I do, but I don't come around like you're lower than me or you're this because my team's not. I'm no better than anybody on my team, Melinda. The only I may deal with the politics, the the paperwork stuff, you know, all that stuff that you have to deal with up in higher management leader stuff. I may be better at that, but those guys are better at other things than I am. So I'm no better than them. I just know how to talk to people maybe better. I just know how to do paperwork better, which I hate. But um, but that's just what I'm I'm happen to be blessed with, you know, and and the communication skills. That's a huge thing of a leader, especially now in this age, because we're not in our parents or our grandparents' generation, whereas your boss is like, F you, you're doing this, you're working 12 hours today, and you can't say nothing. Now we're in an era where the internet, once again, the great old internet and smartphones, I can have, if I call three or email three or four different recruiting agencies, I'll have 40 jobs in my inbox by the end of the day. Um, you have to carry people because there's recruiters like nobody out there. And I know that a lot of them are bots, but you know, they're still putting jobs out there to people, you know, and it's making people think you don't want people to think. Right. I always tell people explore things. I mean, and then you realize how good that you have it here, explore things, but you know, I'm sure you people at your level, my level and everything. I mean, I get recruit, I get emails daily. LinkedIn sends me like 20 job, oh, job openings daily. And I'm like, I've exited out of it, but apparently they still send it to me. So whatever. But I mean, it's just like, but it's there, yeah. you know, and what's the human instinct? Oh, I might as well just click on it. What's it going to hurt? Sure. You know, seriously, that's what people think. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, jobs have to really be thinking about it. You know, they say job hoppers are bad, but it depends on the job hopper. 
Are they improving their pay? Are they improving their title? Are they getting better at what they do? And if they are, you can't you can't hold that against them. I mean, I jobbed hop for about three years, four years, but each one was a huge raise. Each one was a big promotion. Yeah. Why would you fault me for making my career better and my life better? Oh, you yeah. know, yeah, that's the way I look at things. You know, I uh, I, I I I love that because I don't get the recruiters. I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest with you right now, a little secret. I don't get them because I made a conscious decision many years ago to just delete my resume online. Mm-hmm. Because I realized that each, each and every time that I was going into a job, I was actually looking for their help mm-hmm. to help me build a platform instead of taking that into my own hands. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so powerful about our talents and the things that we do on the side is because that is our creation. That is our baby. That is what we do best. And we control that, like your podcast, yeah. you know, my businesses. I control that. No resume is required because you know that you're the best at what you do on that. You know that there's a level of confidence there that's needed in order to, you know, to make that successful. So I realized that my resume took me to a certain point in my career. The first maybe 10, 15 years. It was a good thing to have. Maybe 10 years, right? It was a good thing to have because it opened doors for me. It gave me, it got me more experience and, and also more pay and that type of thing things that I needed at that point in my life, right? But it was my network that took me to the next level. Mm-hmm. When I deleted my resume and got rid of it, my network spoke up. They rose up and they helped me get where I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for my network on LinkedIn or wherever. I'm very thankful because without them, there is no me. Absolutely. Right? I have, I wouldn't say I don't have a purpose, I don't have a plight and it's a little bit different because my purpose every day I wake up I do it but a plight is something I get online and I'm, I'm able to express myself in such a way which relates to them mm-hmm. so I appreciate my network so I don't have a resume at all so if a company calls me I, I guess I'm I guess I'm SOL because I, I don't <laughs> I know a guy his name's Curtis Tompkins he can help you out <laughs> <laughs> Job ready today, <laughs> my buddy. Uh, he's my man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I don't have one, but I don't think that at some point you realize, and, and Nick, I'm sure you've realized realized this as well. Your network, the people that you've touched at organizations, will speak on your behalf, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're the ones that are going to get you that dream job. And they have continued to do that throughout your career, if you think about it, right? Because each and every time you've gotten better, each and every time you've reached even higher. My my last four jobs, I know it sounds huh? my last four jobs, but they've reached out to me. You know, there you go, uh, right? I have exactly. a recruiter. I have one recruiter. I just I totally exclusively use. She's reached out to me twice for a job and one found me on LinkedIn and another one found me because I worked with them before, like years yeah. before. You know, I mean, that, and that's the thing is you are correct. I mean, I don't have my resume online anywhere or anything, but when your LinkedIn network grows as rapidly as mine did for a little period of time there, my goodness, people find you. It's just like, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know, it's like some of these messages, like, damn, <laughs> I'm just like, it's yeah. cool. You know, I was just like, if I could help one person, that's the way I look at it. Or one person can help me. They can change my life, you know, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it's just, it, it's nuts. Hey, we're approaching an hour. I want to be able to put this on Instagram and I don't want to edit. So as we're zooming out of here, Melinda, let everybody know where they can find you. Where's all the fun places yeah, they can find Melinda? Fun places. Well, you can find me at melindawells.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, IG, Facebook, and it's all the Melinda Wells. So very easy to yeah. remember. Uh, and you know what, Nick, it's, I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure so thankful Thank you. for you having me here today and we got to do this again and yeah. at some point in time we'll do that clubhouse session yep. but to be on the all things gratitude podcast today has, has shown me a different perspective and the perspective is gratitude is deep 
and a lot of people may think it's superficial it's just something that you say thank you to or or that type of thing but it's it's deep and it's far-reaching it's something that permeates from within and today is just it's a very humbling day for me so I certainly appreciate everything uh, about the show you and, and so on and so forth so this has been amazing to me so thank you Thank you, everybody. Melinda's web page and her LinkedIn profile are down in the comments. So go check it out. Go click on that. Go find her. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on YouTube. You find me all over the place. Anchor, uh, all the fun places. So this will be on Instagram later. So everyone, thanks for uh, tuning in today. Next week, Chase Baker will be on the show. The fan-controlled football league. Uh, Interesting to hear what went on with that this year. So everyone, have a great weekend. Melinda, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And have a good one, everyone. Thank you.